Huh. What is happening? It just keeps... Hey everybody, welcome to the next installment of our clown show that we call a podcast. <laughs> Every time I say that, Erica shakes her head. She's like, this is not a clown show. It's not because Erica is what keeps it together. That's why. <laughs> well, now you with like that sick fade. That's what the boys would say. That's right. That's right. So Good haircut. A tactical fade. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, James the Patriot. Um, I don't even know what episode this is. I mean, gosh, I cannot believe we're now more than a year into this. You guys remember that, right? When we first started this uh, this little experiment of a of a show that we call the Justice Revolution. Um, Here, anyway, today is January the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Holy cow, 2024. I think right. this is our 40th, James. Is it really? Believe wow. so. All right. So when we get to the 50th episode, we'll have we'll have a birthday celebration Ooh. or something. So obviously, as you know, I've got my ever so faithful co-hosts with me, Erica and Justice. Erica, say hello. What's new in your world? Hey. Oh my gosh. Well, we're getting started with um planting everything. We invested in um some software called Seed Time. Have you guys heard of it? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's a father son startup team and they um, have been doing gardening and market gardening for years. And um, they made it so that everything that you want to plant, you can calculate for how many people you're planting it and name your beds, design your layouts. And it tells you when to plant your seeds, when to transplant your seeds, where to put them, how to trans, mm -hmm. how to, you know, whatever you pull out when you do succession planting, when you take those out, what you can plant next that will restore whatever was lost from the soil, from the first crops and the timings of everything. And it gives you a weekly to-do list and it shows you how much you can plant for 
fresh food throughout the year and what you need for storage. And so we're really excited about that. And, and, um, doing a lot of planning, getting ready for spring. We're setting up our ram pump. Um, we're almost done with that. We just poured a second coat of resin this morning, so we should have it ready to go. Uh, that'll be the heartbeat of our property because it'll, it'll keep water flowing constantly everywhere without any electricity. Nice. Yeah. And we're also looking to rig it up with some hydroelectric so that we can run our freezers and, you know, just lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff going on constantly all the time. So and I'm working on the infrastructure of the business design and um, setting up all our business and trust and protecting it, you know, from everybody who wants to steal from us and make it theirs. We're going to make it impossible. So I'm working awesome. on the nerd stuff. I'm the nerd girl. Good, good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, how are you feeling? Oh my gosh, I'm feeling so good. I was really <laughs> worried there for a minute that I might have twins because I got so big so fast. I'm gigantic. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and I still, I'm, you know, I'm not sick, so I'm not going to a doctor. Not that I would anyway, but yeah. Uh, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I was able to, my friend had a pocket Doppler. I'm very against ultrasound waves and stuff like that, but I just wanted to check and make sure I didn't have several babies in there. Sure. Um, so we heard the heartbeat for the first time last week and that was really exciting. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so always fun to hear. Oh yeah. That, that is always fun to hear. Yeah. Justice, what's new with you? How much, uh, how much snow were you under this year? It's actually been uh, pretty tame. Yeah. Once we get off my hill, like it'll be raining at my neighbor's house and snowing at mine because yeah. I'm at 7,000 feet. So apparently that's where it starts that's to snow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty tame. Um, we're, we, we've just submitted all the information for the insurance lawsuit. Um, and Good. apparently we're going to set a precedence here in Utah. So Good. the insurance company is committing a lot of fraud to make a long story short for everybody. But so oh, we've geez. got that going on. And, um, and that's it. And I'm diving back into, um, I've healed enough from the mortgage debacle. I'm <laughs> diving back in to do some more research there because we're not going to let them get away with it. So No, no. I mean, again, these criminals can only get get away with things for so long, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I was actually, I was up in, well, I wasn't in your neck of the woods, but I was in that area on, uh, what, what's today? Thursday? On Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, I was up in, uh, up in Camas. I had a, uh, for those of you who live in in or in, in this area of Utah, Camas is up in the mountains there. It's a small community. And I think I told you guys one of my hobbies is I referee high school basketball. So I was up there for a basketball game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's so a nice little fun. town. Yep. Nice little town. Growing. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you guys a quick update on where I'm at on a number of things. So C to AZ, always ever so faithful, wants a property update. I will be happy to give that to you, <laughs> C to AZ. Um, so where I where I stand is, as you know, I filed a motion for leave to amend my complaint, um, and the court is just crickets, crickets from the court. So I filed two uh, documents asking for a decision. Still more crickets, and then I found that you can file a document called uh, actually it's a motion. I'm going to pull it up here. So I found a um, a federal law actually uh let me find it motion to expedite the proceedings so there's a federal law where you can actually um request the court to expedite your proceedings if 
a certain condition is met. So I'm going to share my screen real quick, and then uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this real quick, like, and then uh, we're going to bring on our guest because we have a guest who is waiting here. So yes, exciting, exciting broadcast today. It's going to be, it's going to be good. All right. So here is. Let me just get rid of it. Whoops, that's not what I want. All right. So. This is what I filed, and I posted this in the group, plaintiff's motion to expedite these proceedings pursuant to 28 U.S.C. 1657A. So I'm not going to go through this whole document. It's only a few pages long. Um, but basically, what this law says and the Congress says that you have a right to ask the court to hurry things up if one of your constitutionally protected rights is at risk of being violated or is continually being violated, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So right here in the second paragraph, it states the federal courts civil priorities act mandates that the district courts shall. Now you guys remember what the word shall means in a law. Yeah. Well, what, what does that mean? Must. They must, they must expedite the consideration of any action. If good cause therefore is shown. For the purposes of this subsection, good cause is shown if a right under the Constitution of the United States or a federal statute would be maintained in a factual context that indicates that a request for expedited consideration has merit. So I filed this document last week. Um, the opposition, they, um, they filed a reply brief where they said, yeah, we agree. So... Where I'm at now is now I just need the court to, to flip and get on it and just give me a freaking ruling because I'm sick and tired of waiting. And you guys know is that as when, when you're moving cases through courts, whether it's a state court or a federal court, it's on you. It's just like Dr. Graves says, it's like you move your case. So I'm going to be what the Supreme Court says. You must be a belligerent claimant of your rights. Mm -hmm. We talked about this before, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what do you guys, I mean, Erica knows what a belligerent person is. Justos, what, what's your definition of a belligerent person? A pain in the behind. Yeah, that's right. Peter, yep. That's right. You must adamantly demand that your rights be heard at all times. So I'm going to be that belligerent claimant. So today I'm going to file some more documentation with the court. And I'm basically saying, hey, every day that goes by, my rights are continually being violated. This court must do something and they must do something now. And if you don't, then you are committing judicial error. So I'm going to let the court know that. That's right. Justice delayed is justice denied. And no, I'm not talking about bringing justice onto the show. <laughs> We're talking about the actual thing of justice. <laughs> so anyway, um, with that, there was one quick question here, Erica, this is for you. Yeah. I was wondering, does that mean for getting home remedies, like for me to get them or for me to send mine to you? That's a good for, question. For, for somebody to research, I believe, where is a yeah. good oh, for resource. Do, yeah. do I have a website for researching home remedies? Because I make all of my own. Like, yeah. Before, where do you learn that from is where they want to know. Yeah, so and, and real, real, real quick, for those who are listening, the question is, do you have a website for getting home remedies? Yeah. So no. I think the way that I have figured it out is that there's no better remedy than the ones that are in your own yard because it's local. You can guarantee its ingredients. Um, you, you know, just like, so I make everything like yesterday. I couldn't even talk for some reason. My throat was just starting to like, 
close off and do something weird. And I was like, oh, no, because I'm really looking forward to this show today. Mm-hmm. So I I had previously whipped up a couple of different remedies. I made some fire cider. If you guys don't have your own fire cider, that's something really, really great to keep on hand. Mm-hmm. And you can make everything from your own garden or stuff from the grocery store if you don't have your own garden. Um, and then I also made my own elderberry syrup this year too, because we've got elderberry bushes and yeah, you were saying that all over the place. I took a combination of those two things last night and I'm totally healed today. So it's amazing. I know. know, Sorry, go ahead. No. And then the number one thing that I've been making too, and that I'm looking forward to, because I only made a small couple of batches this year is wild lettuce. If you guys haven't discovered the power of wild lettuce and you probably have it growing all over your yard. Um, it's, it's very, you, you just rip it out. You would think it was just some junk thing and it grows everywhere like dandelions or like plantain or something like that. Um, but it's as powerful as morphine for pain. And it acts, um, it, it acts on the opioid receptors, but it's not an opioid. And it doesn't have any side effects. It just heals your pain. And so I have several family members right now with what batches of little bit I have left that are getting through um, life right now just because of the wild lettuce tincture that I made last year. Um, So there's all kinds of stuff that you can make just from even if you just eat the dandelions in your yard. My goodness gracious, that'll keep your liver cleansed and your blood purified. And yeah, that's I saw somebody was saying you can actually make um not a not a soup, but it was like some type of a drink from dandelions. Is like who would have ever thought that? Oh, we just eat them too when they bloom. Yeah, yeah. you can oh dandelion tea, you can make dandelion oh, it was syrup. A tea. Yeah. Yeah, dandelion syrup. You can do oh my goodness, just yeah. Crash yeah. and I talk about that a lot. Um, you'll have to come back on our show where we talk about all home remedies and her farm updates and stuff. So, you know, um, I have, I have a little plug too, and then we're going to bring our guest on here. So, um, I I don't know if I've told you guys this, but, um, when I was like, when I was about 19 or 20 years old, I started having trouble swallowing food. You guys ever hear, hear this problem? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I, I was having trouble, so I didn't know. And I didn't know what I'd know now. Go to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, you've got acid reflux. Let's put you on PPIs. That's what they always do. That's what they always do. Exactly. Your esophageal stricture. Then they then they, you start the process of having your esophagus stretched every so often. Mm-hmm. To keep it mm-hmm. open. And yeah. Yeah. So all of that. And and so what was frustrating to me is, is I was on that. Well, because I was on that for so long, whenever I decided to go try to go off of it, because you were killing your acid production, you go off of it, your acid production goes on overdrive, and you had massive heartburn. So I've had massive heartburn, you know, if I wasn't consistently taking these PPIs, and I just wanted to, nothing to do with these. I've uh, obviously long term effects of use of these we've been you've, you've seen um, can lead to cancers and other things of that nature. And so I felt like I was not finding anything. And so I uh, actually came across a post on one of the remedy channels on Telegram um, where this lady said, hey, yeah, you know, um, if you look at Slippery Elm as as a remedy, I was like, wait a minute, Slippery Elm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she's like, so here's what you need to do. Um, you know, take some magnesium to help calm the muscles and then take some Slippery Elm at night. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you can also use Slippery Elm as um, – uh, 
I, I hate to to say as as a as a an acute treatment, but it does work that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, makes everything and, really slippery. It makes like everything really does. slippery. So I, I started on that about two weeks ago, um, and I am proud to say, in two weeks, I've only had to take my the PPI pill twice in two. That's weeks. awesome. And That's I haven't great. taken the it now. You for... can get off of those the better too, because yes. like when I would give it um, in the hospitals. The manufacturer even says you're only supposed to use those for eight weeks and people are on them for decades. Yes. And what it ends up doing is it destroys your kidneys and then you yeah. develop acute kidney injury and chronic kidney injury yep. and yep. then your whole life is affected. So, yeah. I also found, too, another another great um, herbal supplement for any of you who are suffering from digestive issues. Uh, cardamom is another good one. You guys hear of cardamom? Erica? Yes. Yes, it's a yeah, spice. Just, I use it yeah. in my Norwegian gingerbread house. Yeah, yeah. So you you can get it as a spice. You can also get it. Um, I, I actually take it in a tablet form, and I just take it at breakfast time, and it's just fantastic. So, but um, we no, got no a lot one of is questions good for the lungs. Yeah, we, we got should, a lot we of should do a whole here. show sometime on natural remedies. I, we should. I everybody's <laughs> so interested. Well, what we'll do is yeah. we'll bring we'll bring Crash on because Crash is she's at the top of that list as far yeah, as yeah. So, um, someone, anyway. let's get, let's get to bill, but someone just asked about for the lungs mullen. It's a wild leaf. Look it up. Um, it's a really tall plant with a yellow flower. Great for the lungs. Yeah. Mullen, and there's more, mullein, but, mullein, yeah. so, however you say that. I so. think it's I E N actually, I spelled it wrong, but no, I, all right. right. You did it right. Okay. All right. Well, so let's get to the topic at hand. Um, the title of the show today, are grand juries dead? There should be a question mark. Are grand juries dead? with our guest, Bill Ogden. So I'm going to bring a bill on here and I'm going to introduce him. So hello, Bill. How are you? I'm well, sir. Good, 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 good. So for those of you who don't know who Bill is, um, Bill is with uh, the website tacticalcivics.com and he is a promotional coordinator. Bill is the founder of the Clearfield County, Pennsylvania chapter of Tactical Civics, the largest chapter in the Republic by, by about double. Tactical, excuse me, Tactical Civics has an action plan to enforce the Constitution. The issues we currently face would not have arisen had the Constitution been followed, we already know that, <laughs> and enforced, and citizens of this great republic have a duty to participate in governmental oversight and to ensure that the Constitution is followed as it is written. So, with that, I'm going to welcome Bill to the stage. Bill, welcome. How's, how's life in your... Uh, your neck of the woods there in, in great state of Pennsylvania. Warm air over cold snow. We got fog today. Oh, do you? Same. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. Justice is probably getting snow. It's it's raining where I live right now. So. Yes, we're getting snow. Yeah. Good. Send it here. We'll take more. <laughs> no, I'd be happy to. We had too much last year. Everybody's roofs caved in, so. Oh, it was, it was a record year last year. And, and I thought we were going to dodge a bullet this year. And then January came with yeah. vengeance. Yeah. Well, so. It's going to be warm next week though. So here's yeah. something you may not get from anybody else. And I can't give you the citation for it, but the old timers tell me that a foot of snow is equal to a ton of lime. A ton oh, of really? Lime. Yeah. That's hmm. what they tell me. And we that know that. Almanac? I, we know that the snow beds the alfalfa in because without mm-hmm. snow, you get ground heaving, which pulls on the crowns and snaps the taproot. And so you're going to want to keep those legumes and a bed of snow is warmer 
the no snow. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, we uh, do know that. Uh, and but uh, that uh, when you look out at your fields in the spring, if you've had a good snow cover, they seem to be lush and vibrant and green. Mm-hmm. So, Bill, what do you grow? I know you're a farmer. Um, we've been having a lot of chatter on our on our Telegram channel. Uh, everybody knows you're a farmer and that you drive around on your tractor with your chick or your turkey Reuben. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The, the uh, this was a subsistence farm a hundred years ago. My grandfather had nine children and did whatever. Uh, it was a dairy farm. The milk was put in cans and every other day the cans were loaded in somebody's truck or wagon and driven to the dairy in town and so on. Uh, alternately, uh, I remember dairying with my dad. Uh, I'm far too lazy for that. So I had beef <laughs> cattle, which do most of their own work. Uh, all you have to do is keep them in. Good luck with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and then some of the uh, realities of life caused me to stop doing that. We had a child with cystic fibrosis. It put us in a hospital 130 miles from here on a regular basis and did not lend itself to livestock production. But in the process of raising the other children, we did sheep, we did hogs, we did pheasants. I remember that. We did peacocks. We did bantam chickens, regular chickens. Uh, Reuben the turkey and and his friend Rachel are, I think they're pets. Uh, they're far too big for the roaster at this point. Uh, but they're a welcome addition to the landscape. I've done uh, agronomic crops, fresh market sweet corn. We've run greenhouse operations here. Uh, I make uh, a lot of forage in the form of round bales to feed my own horses. Uh, I've fed many people's other horses over the years because it seems like I'm one of the few people that produces hay. Uh, So if I talk to a dairy farmer, I'm not a farmer at all. Nope. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, I, I get out and turn the soil and so on. That's awesome. We need more. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we do. We do. Well, Well, Bill, we're, we're glad you're here. So as, as the title of the show, uh, our grand jury's dead. Now, you know, you and I have spoken and I know that you put me in touch with um, my chapter representative here in Utah. I believe they're down in Southern Utah, if memory serves correctly. But why don't you give uh, give our audience and, and those who are listening to the show, uh, um, I don't know, where, where you want to start, a 30,000-foot overview of, of who and what Tactical Civics is and, and what the mission is, and, and just maybe start there? Well, every member is supposed to be well-versed in the how, what, and why of their experience with Tactical Civics, so that's where I'll jump in. Uh, like so many other people, I was looking for answers. Something's amiss. Mm-hmm. He's, they're stealing my elections because that idiot couldn't have been elected. I, you know, yeah. there's nobody up here that supports him. Uh, it's funny because you see the bumper stickers. You know, mm-hmm. we've got our own share of the FJB uh, bu- bumper stickers, <laughs> uh, flags flying uh, as you enter and leave various communities. Billboards are still up. The, um, the Let's Go Brandon stuff. Yep. <laughs> my favorite was uh, under the FJB sticker. Uh, it said, and if you like them, F you too. Uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's not quite open hostility, but it's yeah. it's ridiculous. Then, of course, to further insult us, they fettermaned us up here. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you just, you know, uh, so, you know, you're being governed against your will. Um, yeah. 
because I had been to the hospital before when they started the mask nonsense, mm -hmm. uh, cystic fibrosis uh, makes it so that if you catch cold, colds lead to pneumonias, pneumonias lead to early death. A cold is, of course, a strain of a COVID virus. Mm -hmm. And in my 25 years coming and going to Children's Hospital and Shady Side Hospital, staying in a Ronald McDonald house and just generally being there, I never saw anybody masked. The nurses weren't masked. The food people weren't masked. Nobody in the Ronald McDonald house was masked, except maybe a kid who was uh, immune suppressed for the moment because they were getting an organ transplant. They might have been masked, but mm -hmm. nobody else. And so the pirates, the stealers, and the penguins are coming and going. They're not masked. People from the military are bringing food. They're not masked. And so I said to my wife, as this uh, on set, I said, honey, uh, we probably know something about this. I'm not going to wear that thing because I'm afraid it'll tell someone else who thinks I know something that they should do it too. And we both know it's worthless. It's not going to do anything uh, or they'd have done it for us. Matter of fact, based on based on the regimen, my children should have all been masked when their sister was home. Every kid in the school bus should have been masked when she was going to school. Everybody in the class. And it's just nonsense. So yeah. there's yeah. that nonsense. There's the give all my money to foreign countries over some scam war that they're not really involved in or something monies. There's the debase the currency scam. There's the flood. So we know all this is going on. And uh, I'm looking hard for answers. Uh, and of course, you're not going to look on mainstream news because they don't have answers. They have lies. And so you begin then to exercise some discernment in filtering through gleaning. There's a farm word gleaning mm -hmm. what might be accurate information and truth. And there's a principle. Truth is sweet to the ears. We mm -hmm. tend to know truth when we hear it. Uh, here's another one. This is one of those billisms. The further people get from the land, I usually say the farm, the further people get from the farm, the more confused they tend to be. Most yeah. things make sense here. When you go to town, they might not, but here they do. Uh, and so I'm looking, uh, and I won't cite all the sources, but one day I chanced upon uh, the Scott McKay program, Patriot Street Fighter. He had yeah. Mike yeah. Jaco and Nino Rodriguez on, and he had an author named David Zuniga on. And David is the founder of Tactical Civics, and he's presenting the concept in 60 minutes, very concise. And he kept referring to his book, The Great We Set, W-E Set. Uh, but, but he articulated what happened and how we fix it. What happened, according to tactical civics, is we're living under God's judgment. Stop and think about it. Yeah, okay, I can see it's God's judgment. Well, they go further than that. They refer to Romans chapter 1, verse about 18 to the end of chapter 1, where Paul is exhorting the Romans. He said, you knew God was real, and you can look around and see him, and yet you're worshiping sticks and inanimate objects and stuff. So God is giving you over to your stupidity. Stupidity is our natural condition if God lets us go and to give us back over to it, into our uh, stupidity. And uh, because they're stupid, this is some of what said uh, Paul said, they've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, and they disobey their parents. I, I love that that's in there. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, and that is Congress every day.
I was going to say, how is that any different from today? Right. Well, and, and so that's what's going on. And the other part was that Paul never repeated himself. He was pretty concise, but he said, gave them over to their stupidity three times in that chapter. So mm -hmm. he was really driving the point home. And David Zuniga makes the point that we are living currently under God's judgment. The remedy, of course, is repentance. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on, it's I think it says in Corinthians, my people who are called by my name, will stop doing their wickedness and fall on their knees and ask forgiveness. I will heal their land. Okay. Sounds like, sounds good. And so the first question I had to answer is, is this a good and evil thing? Is this a spiritual condition we're in? Well, the global communists dedicated their written work to Lucifer. So they think it's spiritual. Apparently if the enemy thinks it's spiritual, maybe that's the, maybe that's the playing field we're, we're fighting on. So I, I bought into that. Tactical Civics is a Christian mission to restore America. And I love that word restore. That's another farm term. That means we've got one in the shed. We're going to get it out, clean it up, lube it up and put it back to work. We're going to restore something. But the, then David Zynga said, our method of taking control back is we are going to enforce the Constitution. It's mm -hmm. never been done in American history. We're going to enforce it. And it's a simple document. Uh, uh, the basis is that by virtue of defeating the British in the Revolutionary War, the mantle of government fell upon the shoulders of we, the people, which coincidentally is the first three words behind James's head. We, the people. Mm -hmm. uh, they wrote this. We're running it. Now, civics is about who's the boss. What's mm -hmm. the order of things here? Sometimes the people in government think they're the boss. What idiot is going to fight the largest power on earth for their freedom and then put someone else in as king or boss? No, I'll be boss of myself. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I'm an American. I'm self-sustaining, self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-educated, independent to a cuss. Uh, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. My great-great-great-great-grandfather, Daniel Ogden, uh, homesteader. He moved eight times in 40 years. He came to Clearfield in 1797. He was the first white settler. He was 62 on that move. He and his boy came up the Susquehanna River from Lock Haven and uh, befriended the local Indians, got a cabin, started at the upper end of the island in the river, a clear field. There's the name. And then he went back down to Lock Haven and got his wife, Eleanor, and the other five kids, and they walked here. Uh, when Daniel Ogden came here, he was code enforcement. He was dog law. He was the streets department because he's the only guy here. Who else is going to do it? He's the guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the entire municipality. His son, William, married a bloom woman uh, uh, who lived to be 100, which is a whole nother topic. How did she live to be 100 without pharmacy, yeah. surgery, and dentistry? And so uh, uh, fascinating. Daniel lived to be 87. Hmm. Fascinating to me that the, the what what did they eat? What was the nutrition? The um, wait a minute, hold on a second there, Bill. You said that that your great great grandmother lived to a hundred, and your great great grandfather lived to eighty seven. The uh, the four greats on the grandfather. Okay. And then his daughter in law lived to be a hundred. His daughter in law lived to be a hundred, and then her husband lived to be eighty seven. I think he was eighty three or something. Hmm. 
Do you, you think know, maybe she got sick of him, and then that's why he only lived to 83? I'm just saying. <laughs> they had 16 children that lived. So she wow. went to childbirth at least 16 times. Because she could add some multiples. But the, the point being this, as the community grew, mm-hmm. you know, we do it. My kids all live here. I can, I can uh, hit a driver to my son's house. He's the furthest one away. Uh, my daughter Jen's a nine iron, and my daughter Sarah's a putt. We're, we're just all that close. And we assemble regularly. We assemble for common meals around a fire, whatever. And we always talk about municipal affairs. Like we have a common dumpster. So we have a trash department. And we talk Mm -hmm. about the right way to put trash in the dumpster. Because if you don't, it creates a problem and then we'll take it. So we talk about making sure that your cars are moved when Steve's going to run the snow plow. Because we move our own snow here. And these are municipal discussions. These same things go on at township supervisors meetings. I've been there. You know, we talk about each other's dogs because we all have too many dogs. You know, hey, your dog's come down here and taking a dump next to my sidewalk. I'd appreciate it. You know, and and, he likes you. I don't know what to say, but it's a discussion. That that was the town council. That was the municipal meeting. As the population grew, eventually through the specialization of people, some folks wanted to run a grist mill. Some folks wanted to be a blacksmith. A lot of folks wanted to farm. But we had to hire some people to do the governmental functions. Does that yeah. make sense to you? Totally. No, it does. It and makes perfect sense. We wrote, a, we wrote a job description at the federal level called the Constitution that lists 17 specific things we hired people to do for us. They work for us. They yeah. stepped down out of public life, um, uh, private life, into public service. And... Mm-hmm. Typically, the people that do it like executives live a full productive life in the private sector, develop for themselves some means so they can survive on the meager salary they're going to get as public servants, mm-hmm. Washington, Jefferson, and so on. As a matter of fact, the people that wrote the Constitution, by and large, were all business owners. Mm-hmm. Franklin, for example, was the first person who uh, developed a franchise. He franchised out printing companies up and down the coast and people would pay him a percent of the profits over time. That way he was free to fly a kite in a rain or whatever stuff he was going to do. They were independently wealthy. Now imagine, if you will, a business person writing a job description for employees. Do you think they ever conceived that the owners of the business would neglect it? And yet that's exactly where we are. We've neglected it. There's a, an exchange on the sidewalk between Ben Franklin and Lady Powell. What kind of government did you give us, Dr. Franklin? She says, a republic or a monarchy? And he said, a republic, which we love that quote, We, uh, if you can keep it. If you can keep exactly. It's the if you can keep it that's the key phrase because it says you can keep it. You can keep it. And so I use the the construct of a small business. Let's say that you have a restaurant. You decide you want to sell food and be a restaurateur, but you also have to learn advertising, snow removal, accounting. You have to pay, do payroll. You have to deal with people being sick, handle phone traffic to make reservations. You might have to wait tables, cook, unload a truck. You don't get a sick day. The the best commercial was uh, the guy that owned donuts. You got to make the donuts. 5 a.m. Got to make the donuts. That's business. Yeah. It wasn't discussing the impending game between Kansas City and Buffalo ad nauseum. Okay. That's bread and games. It was attending to your business. And so 
your average uh, citizen back in Constitutional Day, when they were trying to decide if we wanted this Constitution, because it had to be ratified, was reading from the newspaper articles by Madison, Madison and Hamilton, which became bound as the Federalist Papers. This is a guy and his wife and his kids, because they're all around the table. You know, they ate together. That's how mm -hmm. it was done. And sixth grade education, maybe. Candle lighter, lantern light. He's been in the fields all day doing whatever he's doing, moving stumps, milking cows, planting and harvesting and so on. But he's sitting there reading an article from the newspaper that I defy most college students to read and understand today. That was the citizen who was versed in current law, current court cases, current doings, because civics was what they did. Yeah. Civics, you know, you got to mind your own business. Mm -hmm. And so their minds were on their business. And so here we are, tactical civics. We're going to enforce the Constitution. I've given you all this background and construct for it. <clears throat> How are we going to do it? First of all, tactical civics is a trust. It is a trust <clears throat> offshore in one of the most secure offshore places you can have. And it's a defensive move. And uh, I won't go through all of the story of Gideon, chapter six, seven and eight out of the book of Judges. Mm -hmm. Read it for yourself. I, I like the animated version on YouTube, but read it for yourself. Because the story is, <clears throat> when Gideon blew the shofar, 32,000 men and boys showed up. God said, we don't need all of them for the initial mission. Send everybody who's frightened home. So he did. Then he said to the remaining, see how they drink. The ones that pick the water up and sip it, that keep their head on a swivel. You want them for this first special mission. Mm -hmm. So there were qualifications for the 300 special operators that were selected by Gideon. But all those other people were useful later in the story. And I'll just let you read that for yourself. So here we are at Tactical Civics. We're forming up chapters in every county across the republic. About half of 1% of the population is our chapter goal. We have some criteria. We don't need anybody that's frightened. Does that make sense? If you're scared, don't bother. Because, you know, somebody told me not to say militia out loud. So I, of course, said it slowly. <laughs> militia. You know, they're, they're, somebody said, aren't you afraid that you're going to be on a list? I'm already on a list. Everybody's on a list. I think right? we all are. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you afraid you're going to do something to We're you? all I domestic said, terrorists now. Well, isn't it something that their persecution and oppression is a reason for me not to do anything? No, yeah. it's a reason for me to do something. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Pay the cannibals to eat me last or something? Yeah. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> I'm going to stand up. So uh, if you work currently for government, now, our local state representative, a fine young man, uh, this was the house a couple days ago. Again, uh, we've maintained a positive relationship. He's a good one. I don't want him to quit what he does. But if he's an employee, he probably won't uh, can't be part of a, a tactical civics chapter. Does that make sense to everybody? Because yeah. uh, he's in a position to be leveraged. If you work for PennDOT, the Department of Transportation or the Department of Public Welfare, if you're uh, in a school, you know, school teachers have something to lose. It can be held over them. Uh, Sorry. And, and so as we enroll people in our initial phase in tactical civics, we want folks that are not currently part of the government. And, yeah, in, in, in any capacity, right? So like even state and local government? Sure. Correct? Yeah. 
Yeah, they're servants. They are the employees that we're trying to supervise. Or here's the other: if they're already doing that and they're an honorable person, please keep doing that. You know, there's two pieces to to uh, exactly. staffing your company. One is to hire good people, and the other is supervise them. It's the supervising that hasn't been done. They keep telling us we're just always going to have to hire. Well, you can elect a new one in four years. Really? I got to suffer for four years. I can't supervise them. I'm going to supervise them. Yeah. Uh, so tactical civics is going to stand up these chapters. Tactical civics is going to put forward when we reach a certain number of chapters in a certain number of states, we are going to, in concert, push forward with ordinances at the county level to establish and restore the county grand jury, your topic for today. Yes. The county grand jury is equal to the judge. They're sworn by the judge. The judge is dismissed. They are drawn from the voter rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we pass our ordinance, we're going to also have a tactical civics web page on the county government page so people can go look at it, volunteer to be in a pool of volunteers instead of conscripts. Uh, Kelly Mordecai tells me in California they can't get enough people on grand juries. you got to go out in the street and hunt them. Uh, we want to avoid that. The, yeah. uh, the grand jury, once they're sworn in, they operate on their own. They can investigate wherever it needs to go. Tactical Civics has a book called History of the Grand Jury in the United States, 1642 to 1941, I think it was. Some of the fun things are, like they said, Charlie's only putting eight ounce, or six ounces of beer in an eight-ounce cup, and that's fraud. We need to, <laughs> whatever. Uh Okay. They said they'd fill the potholes and they haven't, you know, that kind of, it's the people that manage, you know, what, who's, who's the oversight body for any part of government. It's the people. Why? Supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, Cause we hired those folks. They exactly. work. I'm paying them, you know? And so if, uh, it's not just me showing up at a meeting and yelling at him. It's me in the role of a grand juror where I have authority to investigate the grand jury is Equal to the judge, superior to the DA, superior to the sheriff. All resources of the courthouse are at the disposal of the grand jury. They can investigate wherever the bunny trail leads them. They can issue subpoenas. They can issue search warrants. Sorry, I I just wondered if maybe we could give a brief history lesson. Why is the grand jury so important and why is it so detached? Because you've heard it said before. um, I think it was Justice uh, Scalia. Yep. Who said that the grand jury in, in all reality is the fourth branch of the government. So can you elaborate on that for, for our listeners? Cause I, this, this is one of those hot topics and, I, and I've got a couple of, of things I'll share on this and why grand juries are so important and why they're even mentioned in the constitution. But I wonder if you could just give a brief background of, of why, where grand juries came from, why they're in our founding documents and, and, and why it's so important that we continue to utilize them today. You said brief three times. That means you're on to me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so brief, brief, brief. <laughs> the grand jury has a thousand year history. It existed in England. We brought it here mm-hmm. with us during the colonial period, kept it through the revolution and the articles period and, and existed through and after the constitutional period. It is the people assembling to control their own affairs. Why wouldn't the people do that? And again, if you go back to my small community 
example that I started with, how else was business done? Hey, we need a school. We're starting to have a bunch of kids. Martha over there thinks she could handle more kids than she's got, you know, but we have to oversee it. We can't just yeah. turn them loose and hope for the best. Can we? That's nuts. Scripturally, there's a, a, a passage I like that starts with, and then the master returned. We, the people are the master. It's behind your head in plain English. We can see it. Yeah. We, uh, 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 this was always expected to be, uh, you said constitutionally it's in the fifth amendment. I cannot be charged with a capital crime without a presentment or indictment by a grand jury. Now, of course, the people on the grand jury it would be, well, I guess what I do not want to have happen is I don't want somebody to show up for jury duty and say, okay, your honor, what am I supposed to do now? You're supposed to know going in. Yeah. And that yeah. practical civics, uh, in my humble opinion, exists to help facilitate that knowledge. There's a second book on our list, also written by David Zuniga, called Grand Jury Awake. It is a primer uh, to teach people that which they should know going into the grand jury. Uh, and, and I make this statement a couple places. Uh, the average person doesn't know anything about juries except how to get out of jury duty. That's, <laughs> That's so true. How they can get out. Um, the, they can't tell you, for instance, that there are two kinds of juries, a petite jury and a grand jury. They don't know what, what they're for. They do not understand jury nullification. And I explain it to people on a regular basis. Uh, the king made the law. The king appointed the judge. Does that sound like a stacked deck? But I believe it was the Magna Carta that gave us the petite jury, a jury of my peers, 12 people who know me, who say things like, well, I know James, and I don't think he would have done that, not guilty. Or, I know James, and if he did that, he probably had a really good reason not guilty. Or, I know James, and you're damn right he did it. It's a bad law, not guilty. And people don't know that the jury has the right to rule on the case and the law. So, let, let me touch on that real quick, Bill, because what you're talking about is extremely important for people to understand. The society that we live in today and the court systems that, that we, the people, are dragged into, there's actually two courts, two types of courts that we're dragged into. And for those of you who have been listening to me, um, I've, I've told you and I've been listening to the recordings from uh, George Gordon, okay? Fantastic individual. He was doing this back in the late 70s, early 80s. I mean, that's, that's how – I mean, and, and – we were up to our neck then. So what's fascinating about all of this and this whole grand jury thing is it all comes full circle. So the grand jury process is a common law process like Bill's talking about. It, it has its foundations in the Magna Carta. Like we talked in the Magna Carta was back in what, 1250, something like that. 1,250. I mean, thousands of years ago. And, and this was common. So what was happening, it, I, I think I issued a challenge on our last uh, our last broadcast was go read the initial uh, the initial the rough draft of the Declaration of Independence and you can see every single thing that the king was doing to the colonists then they are doing to us today. So I'm going to give you a, a couple of, of things here. So right, I mentioned there's there's two courts that we will often find ourselves in. 99% of the time, it's one court over the other. Do, do you know? Do I do it? The three of you know what, what court I'm talking about? It's not a common law court, by the way. 
well, criminal administrative court and it's yes. So it's all of that stuff falls under there because you can actually hold criminal courts in common law and in administrative courts. It's actually called a court of equity. You ever hear that term? Mm -hmm. An equitable court. So equitable relief is founded is founded in a contractual basis. So Erica, if I have a contract with you and within that contract, it states that if you decide to grow your own corn and you don't buy the corn from me, then there's a penalty associated with that. I can actually take you to the equitable court and have that provision of the contract enforced. That's what it is. So the, the great, um, the wool that's been pulled over everyone's eyes is they're pulling the everyday man and woman into one of these equitable courts and they're being charged by what? Not an indictment, but what, what do they call those charging documents? An information. You guys have heard of this, right? Where you're charged by information. Bill, you know what I'm talking about? Guess what was happening to the colonists? They were being charged by information. Nothing new. So what was happening then is happening today. And it sickens me to see how this perverted legal system has been turned upside down on its head. But I'm here to tell you, this is why I wanted to have this discussion and why I'm glad Bill is here. Because no, grand juries are not dead. Matter of fact, did you guys know that we the people have a right to not be prosecuted unless on a presentment of an indictment? Did you guys know that? Yeah, I think that's how it's supposed to be, right? Like we're not even exactly. supposed to be charged with anything as men and women unless the the charges are brought by the people. You can't it's not enough to just have it be brought by the courts. Right. Exactly. Or brought by the police officer or brought by So Bill brought something that he mentioned this and this is fascinating, right? He says the king appointed the judge. He's like, "Do you think you're going to get a fair trial when the king appoints the judge?" Yeah. Well, do you think you're going to get a fair trial when you're dragged into a traffic court where the judge is an employee of the municipality that's that's prosecuting you? Does that make sense to anyone? Nope. So that that's that's kind of where, where I'm talking about. This is all these are all courts of equity. So when you listen to the George Gordon recordings, you're going to hear him say um, this. This is a this is a court of law, not a court at law. There's two different things. There are two distinctions. A court at law is a common law court. A court of law is a court of equity. And so what Bill is talking about is, is you have a right to all of these things. But if you don't stand up and, and, and like I said before, if you don't stand up and be a belligerent claimant of your rights, then failure, failure to claim your rights timely waves them. But here's what I wanted to share, and then I'll turn it back over to Bill. There was a Supreme Court case in 1886. 1886. That's over 150 years ago, right? So there's no way that this court has that this case has any weight today, does it? Well, it's never been overturned. This is the United States Supreme Court, right? What did I say in, in our rules of the pro se? Remember that, Erica? Oh yeah. Whatever the Supreme Court says is that's it. Land. That's, that's it. it. Here's what they decided. Basically, this case, uh, the case is called Macon or Macon, M-A-C-K-I-N. Versus United States. In this case, this Mackin gentleman, Macon gentleman, was being charged by a, an information, um, and there were seven counts, and he was facing up to two years in jail. All right. What the Supreme Court said is this: a crime 
punishable by imprisonment in a state prison or penitentiary with or without hard labor is an infamous crime within the provision of the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution that no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury. So what does that mean, guys? Just what it said. Just what it says. If you are being prosecuted by information where the potential punishment could be jail time, you have a right to demand that that information be pulled and that a grand jury present that information. Right. But why don't why don't these state courts ever do that? Because <laughs> we don't know to ask for it. <laughs> we don't know to ask for it. Demand it. Well, it, Bill, they, you, sorry, a lot of people that. ask in their documents, and they're not, and they're denied it. So it's because they're corrupt. Well, it's because again, we, you must be a belligerent claimant of your rights, right? I'm not asking for this. Um, hold on here, Mr. Judge. You're you're telling me that these. These alleged charges against me, I could potentially spend up to six months in jail. That's correct. Uh, I'm a little confused. Where's the indictment from a grand jury of my peers? Well, we don't need to do that. You, you can do this through through an information. Um, yeah, Alexis, we've had this discussion before. Alexis says in Tennessee, they try and get around indictments through consent of information. Here's what's interesting, too. In the Utah Constitution, it states you cannot be presented on an information unless you consent. Unless you say, yeah, oh, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and 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 prosecute me. Who in their right mind would ever do that? Would no anyone? One. No one. No. The other major difference between a jury of our peers, a petite jury, like like Bill mentioned, is he's absolutely right. In a common law court, the jury decides the facts and the law. In an equitable court, the jury only decides the facts. The judge decides the law. Those are some and they major instruct the judges then instruct the jury on how Correct. to stick to what he says the law is. Correct. So technically, the judges are always illegally practicing law from the bench. They they really are. They really are. But nobody calls them out on it because again, mm -hmm. they're all part of the great big three letter Steve. agency that I've talked about. And no, I'm not talking about the one that takes your money every year at tax time. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the other one that takes your money through rather shady and devious tactics. So sorry, Bill, I didn't mean to jump on your parade. I just want, those are a couple of things. I think it's important that people understand because here's, here's where I'm at, right? If, if I, if I get pulled into one of these traffic courts, you know, and they say, Oh, the, you're, you're being charged with this and you're being charged with this. How do you plea? Or do you understand the charges? Like, oh, I hold on there, judge. I don't understand at all. Um, am I in a court of equity or is this a court of common law? Oh, this is an equity court. Okay, great. Um, where's the contract that, that I'm that I'm required to perform? Because these charges are allegations that I have violated terms of that contract, quote unquote, breach of contract. Well, the prosecution has presented no no such evidence of a contract. So where's yeah. the contract? Absent a contract, this court has what? No jurisdiction i think james they claim when you sign your driver's license it's a contract i that think is that's the claim. what they're using to get around that issue that is the claim but like i mentioned before your driver's license is only a quasi contract is a quasi the average person enforceable? doesn't know that no so they they hear the answer and they tuck tail yeah but it's only a quasi contract okay mm -hmm. it's not enforceable all right so this is why you this is why you need to know and understand 
what is an enforceable contract? Okay, well, there's no enforceable contract on record. So uh, what are we doing here, Judge? You're wasting my time. So sorry, Bill, back to you. I I just wanted to get that information out there. Thanks. Bill, I have a question. I'm ready. So um, right after Erica shared your information with me and I learned of tactical civics civics and such, um, I came across another podcast of somebody also uh, creating grand juries around the country. So how, how does that work? Let's say there's four different organizations that have grand juries within one state. Do, do, does e- do you have to join forces now or does one of them, they each can operate independently with their own? Okay. Tactical civics, I, I use this phrase somewhere else, is an activist group. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm a community organizer. Now, Michelle Swinnick said that that made me a white Barack Obama. And I told her that I didn't like the implications for my wife about that at all. And she said, <laughs> What we have to do is get people to stop uh, being distracted and divided and all focus on the main thing. And the main thing is we have to restore civil government through the grand jury and the incumbent militia, which I didn't get to. The militia is 800 years old. It's the people's law enforcement arm of the grand jury. Mm -hmm. If... We have a case where the grand jury is uh, investigating a township supervisor and the township has a police force. The supervisors then are uh, in authority over the officers. How does the township officer execute a search warrant on a supervisor's house? Well, they can, but the militia can. And we're not talking about the Montana 3% trying to kill John and Beth Dutton every year on Yellowstone. We're We're talking about the people's law enforcement. And again, I go backwards to 1797 when Daniel Ogden came here. When there was a problem, which police did he call? The state police, the township police, or the there weren't any. They and didn't so have it. He and the boys had to, you know, if somebody was trespassing on the back 40, they had to work it out. Okay. And it didn't have to be gunfire. This isn't Hatfields and McCoys, although there were places that devolved into that. And, you know, I get a lot of commentary on the sheriff. The sheriff will do this and that. If you'd like to know, how much of a friend the sheriff is of yours. Don't pay your property taxes for a couple of years and see what he does. Okay, mm-hmm. It's not working for you. Nope. Right. He's a tax collecting agent for, for the, uh, the king. Ours said he's just the cashier. He yeah. Is yeah. Nice guy. Here. Yeah. Nice guy and chief. Uh, he's, he is law enforcement and so on. So, but, uh, so am I, I am law enforcement, you know, uh, I don't call the cops because my children broke curfew. I deal with that. Yeah. I don't call the cops because my children maybe stole something from a sibling. I deal with that. And on and on. Matter of fact, we don't call. There's a principle up here. You just don't call the dog officer. I don't care what the neighbor's dog is doing. I don't care what it looks like over there. You don't call code enforcement. You know, just because they have a bunch of trash, maybe they like trash. Whose ground is it anyway? Oh, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let let's let people live. You know, one man's junk is another man's treasure, kind of a thing. Let's let them alone. Uh, but why, in God's name, are you calling the government? Why don't you just walk across the field and talk to them? See, See how that works for a change. It, wait a minute, though, Bill, because that would mean 
people would have to use what's that word to get oh that's right common sense well you know there's been a great there's been a great cultural push to move us to where we are today uh and i won't relitigate the civil war what it was really about but i know what the downstream consequences were that yeah. was a war fought between and among militias and so we don't like them that was uh where the uh, state had sovereignty and we don't like that so we're going to have everything point to washington now and so on and of course we allowed the government to take over education they're certainly not going to teach children about the grand jury because the grand jury is how we would enforce uh, uh sensibility over a school board yeah you're going to tell me i can, i have to wear i can't do what mr school board person i can't do what i can't even talk to you no no yeah no yeah, by what authority, Mr. School Board? Certainly well, not by mine. This is what the Civil War was about. It wasn't about slavery, and most people are fooled into thinking it was about slavery so that they can get away from the mindset that the government wanted to take over all the citizens and states. So. Yeah, the Jefferson said, a man who expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization never was and never will be. Uh -huh. And it's what we don't know that's hurting us. Uh -huh. And we don't know what our grand jury rights are. Right. We don't know Marbury versus Madison, which says any law that's repugnant to the Constitution is, in effect, no law at all. I only need the Constitution. You're either keeping it or you're not. Yeah, it's real simple. It's, it's real simple. Everything else is downstream from it. If you people want to have a meeting and make decisions about minutia, about something else you're doing, that's fine. And I haven't been effective at, at teaching this yet, but I don't live in the government. The government's like over there, maybe where the in-ground or above-ground pool is. It's circumscribed, but it's, it's over there. And if I go get in the pool, now I'm in the government. Otherwise, I'm over here. I go outside and look around. I don't see it. I don't see mm -hmm. any government. Might see the municipal government when they're pushing snow or fixing a ditch. But I don't really see anybody else. You know, I'm not sure what all the fuss. Somebody said, we got to do something or it'll collapse. What would that look like? Will our border be invaded or something? I mean, what, what could possibly be worse than what's going on now? I hope it does collapse because I'm a business owner with a business mindset. And if the government collapses, great, we'll file Chapter 11 or whatever we have to do, and we'll just start a new one that works and only we'll supervise it this time. Uh, so uh, let, me, let me finish the tactical civics story. We're going to stand up these chapters. The, the goal is to uh, get ordinances passed for the grand jury and the militia. Private militias aren't, that's not what we want there. You know, there's a bill in Congress now to make them illegal. They're already illegal. A militia nominates officers, presents that slate of officers to the, the county. The county approves it. We publish it on the website. You publish when and where training is. Uh, it's a thing. Up here, the largest gun store in the state of Pennsylvania is in my town. And up here, people say, I have the right to keep and bear arms. They said, sort of. It, what the thing says is a law or a, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The argument we shouldn't be having is over what gun you can have. It's over the militia. Militia is a real thing. And again, I, I point out when Gideon went out and blew the shofar, 32,000 men and boys who could carry swords who heard the call came. When Paul Revere rode through the commons yelling the British are coming, all the Minutemen that had their muskets by the doorframe mustered on the green and went out and faced the Redcoats. It's militia. It's a thing. 
it's the people rally. It's kind of like a volunteer fire department. Yes. The siren goes off. You go to the fire hall. You get in the truck. You go face danger. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate you doing that. And ladies, because my granddaughter is a volunteer fireman. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, good for her. Uh, I said, aren't you a firewoman? No, they don't call me that. Okay. It's your thing. Um, <laughs> so we're going to restore these two organs. That's one. Number two, we are going to press, we being Tactical Civics and everybody else who wants to help us, for the adoption of what would have been our First Amendment it is our first right. It's the only thing Washington spoke about, and that limits a federal congressional district to 50,000 people. That would be actual representation. Currently, your congressperson, wherever they are, is representing three quarters of a million. That's why you don't talk to them very often in person. Or at, at all. 50, yeah, at 50,000, uh, that, that's a reasonably small group. And uh, <clears throat> tactical civics will be uh, active in identifying, vetting, and helping to get elected these people to send to Washington. We're going to send them to Washington. There's nowhere to meet, no office space. They'll have to get sworn in in a football stadium. Their first order of business that we will insist upon for our support is to uh, pass the Bring Congress Home Act, which will create the first diversified legislature in world history. We know from the pandemic that they can do Congress from the House by like we're doing now. So mm -hmm. why do they need to go to Washington if they don't? They don't. Washington, there's no so more. That they can participate in their sex scandals. No <laughs> more townhouse in Alexandria. No more boyfriend, girlfriend on the side. No more cocktails and dinner with lobbyists. If they want to meet with a lobbyist, they can do it at the diner in town. And you can sit in the booth next to them and watch. Uh, when we pass that act, we'll put little things in it like two years or two terms max, half the money, no benefits, one office. But you're going to do it in town. You'll see your congressperson at the Walmart. Yeah. At the convenience store. And um, if, you know, they accused uh, Trump of being a fascist. That was a fascist. <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious how the people who are actually the fascists are accusing others of being fascists. But anyway, sorry. All the, the gaslighting is off the charts. Oh, yeah. Well, but it caused us to learn what fascism was. And it's when the corporations and the government are in cahoots together like big pharma, like big media, like the military industrial complex. And so, okay, uh, I guess we have fascism now, but when we bring Congress home, when they're living with you, fascism mm -hmm. stops. They'll mm -hmm. represent you instead of, uh, of uh, pharma or whomever. Or, or whoever is paying them the most for their campaign contributions. That, crea that creates a circle, an impoundment around Congress. The mm -hmm. grand jury, because see, when they're in our jurisdiction and they propose a law that's contrary to what it says in the Constitution, they can either reverse that or the grand jury can meet and decide whether they committed perjury or not. Mm -hmm. And if they committed perjury, they'll be tried in state court, not federal court, because where are they? They're that here in the state. county mm -hmm. where there's teeth and we'll be kicking them out of office. And it wasn't a glamor job to begin with. You're only gonna be there two terms with no fringe benefits. So you might as well fly right so that we don't have to be mean to you. But we're not gonna wait six years to elect a new senator. Imagine this, I have to wait four more years. Crazy. With Fetterman, I'm stuck for four more years. Crazy. With Fetterman. You know, you gotta hire good people, but then you gotta supervise them. And everywhere I ever saw uh, work, 
there was a process to remove somebody that was not compliant with the requirements of the job. So tactical civics does those things. And then once that's done, there's a whole downstream list of things that basically starts with the phrase, is that constitutional? Where's the authority yeah. in the constitution for you doing that? You have all that. You guys are in Utah. How come, how come the federal government owns so much of Utah? Where's the constitutional authority for that? Exactly. Where's exactly. the constitutional authority for them? Uh, what is it up here? They canceled a billion-dollar investment in a town called Renova that desperately needs it because the EPA objected. Where's the constitutional authority for that? Yeah. They don't live here. Oh, Richard Nixon signed an executive order in 1972. Okay. I'll even credit him with good motives. Love Canal. I'm old enough to remember Love Canal and toxic and deformed children and all that. And we got to clean it up. The super fun. Sure. Great. But they don't have the authority to just come in here and kill everything. No. Out West, y'all live with uh, BLM, uh, fish, fish and wildlife, park service. And there's another one out there, uh, forestry. Those folks are the ones that persecute you federally. Back here, it's EPA. Yeah. And Back by the way, um, BLM is Bureau of Land Management. Right. Not the other BLM that people right. might be thinking. <laughs> well, I, I only think Bureau of Land Management. You know, I'm, I've been on the ground my whole life. You know, this is I'm, I'm uh, the inheritor and now steward of this place. Yeah. And we're not a bunch of ignorant hillbillies looking to despoil the land upon which we live. I'm looking to leave a legacy to my children, of grandchildren, course. and soon to have great grandchildren. I want to leave them water. I want to leave them soil. I want to leave them wildlife. I want to leave them the joy that comes from being outdoors on a spring day, watching the, you know, the flowers bloom. So I, we go and we name things. I, yeah. I, put, I put a granddaughter in the, the uh, side by side. She said, well, what are you going to teach me today, grandfather? Perfect uh, question. Alfalfa, trefoil, clover, crown vetch. There's four legumes we should identify based on color it's on. And, yeah. And, why not? Why not know the difference between a red oak and a white oak? No. You know, Bill, Bill, what, what you're saying is, is it, it, it just makes my heart happy because that's what our nation did for the first, what, 40, 50, maybe 60 years of, of our, of our country is that that's what the people did is they, they were stewards of the land. They took care of each other. They, there, there was no organized law enforcement agency that when someone had a problem, they went out there and they, and they dealt with it. Matter of fact, if you guys look at the constitution and you'll see, we are not supposed to have a standing army at all. Two years is the max time that an army can be compiled, can be put together. After that, they're supposed to be disbanded. So what we've gotten away from is we, we have these, we, we've talked about this before, the, the mass industrial military complex, the mass law enforcement industrial complex, and all of these for-profit cities and municipalities and townships and everything that have figured out, hey, we can generate revenue from, from uh, uh, the unsuspecting citizen because they're Americans and they want to go along to get along and they just want to live their lives, but we're going to harass them. We're going to harass their substance. We're going to send swarms of officers thither to harass their substance. And I'm pulling that directly from the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. it's interesting to me why the Bureau of Land Management is not in the inner cities where they're actually destroying the land. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Have we seen the swarms of officers thither? Code enforcement officers, revenue officers. I mean, the three-letter agency was just hiring 87,000 new harassers, right? By what? 
freaking authority do you have? Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about that on a future episode. Puerto Rican company. Puerto Rican exactly. Company. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting into that time of year that everybody loves to hate. Yep. Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that and, and some things there, but, um, what, what I, what I want, and the reason why I'm glad that we have Bill on and then, you know, Erica, thank you for setting this up. Cause this was, this has been Erica's, uh, baby. Um, so for, I have been associated with tactical civics for a, a number of months now and full disclosure, I, I have not had as much time as I wanted to, to dive into it. Um, I would really love to be a part of the militia really love to be a part of the grand jury system here, at least where I live. And I know we're working hard. Um, but the struggle is, is where I'm, where I am in my County. I think there's one or two of us. It's me and somebody else. I don't know. So we've got to get the word out. We've got to get more people involved. We need to get more people going, Hey, enough is enough. Let's do what our constitution states. Article one, section two, the Utah constitution, whereas all political power is inherent in we, the people. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that we, the people, have a right to form our own grand juries. We, the people, have a right to form militias, to enforce any subpoenas or any indictments that are presented by the grand jury in a common law court. So you, you guys know, and, and, and I'll, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but you guys know that a prosecuting attorney is not constitutionally accepted? Did you guys know that? No, I didn't know that. A, a, a district attorney... And any one of his assistant district attorneys, his or hers, um, that's not a constitutionally accepted attorney. Because what would happen in, in a common law court, a criminal common law court, there would be a public prosecutor right. who would be nominated by we the people, people to prosecute on our behalf the information or, or the, the, the indictment that has been handed down by the grand jury. This, I mean, it's really simple. When you guys see how simple it is, it's just like, oh my gosh, things. It is simple. So complicated. Why is why are things so complicated? Well, well, to distract us and take advantage of us. Right. I mean, because because things that are difficult to understand. Well, well, you're the expert in this subject matter. We're just going to go ahead and, and and pass it off over to you. The the ultimate thing is we are sovereign human beings, men and women of God, our Creator. Correct. And who are you because you own a fictional title? of lawyer or judge or anybody else, who are you to tell me what to do? Exactly. See, the, the, the founders of our nation were, I mean, God, I've said this before, they were brilliant. They were millennia ahead of their time. Because when they put these safeguards in place to protect us, they knew that, hey, because we are sovereign men and women, and because we can govern ourselves, you cannot be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. What does due process of law mean? Well, you, you you have a right to face your accuser. You have a right to know the nature and cause of any accusation against you. You have a right to not be tried criminally unless on a presentment from an indictment of a grand jury. You have a right to a trial by jury of 12 of your peers, right? What, what does peer mean to you, Erica? You're on mute. Means people, means people who know me. People who know who you are, right? Yeah. Well, see what happens now is, well, these are these are twelve these are twelve jury uh, people of your peers. Well, they might happen to live in a similar area, but they may not know who I am. So, uh, ex how exactly are we protecting the accused rights? No, I'm not saying that you know there aren't criminals out there that that deserve to be in jail. There absolutely are. 
What I am saying, though, is this this massive law enforcement industrial complex, they have found a way to make gobs of money by persecuting people and throwing them in jail and denying them their due process rights. It's harassment. Exactly. So Charlie brings up a great question. Charlie Harrington, what's the difference between a jury trial and a Seventh Amendment trial by jury? So you're, you're going to hear this a lot, Charlie. A jury trial oftentimes refers to, remember I mentioned there's two courts. There's a common law court and then there's an equity court, right? Um, a jury trial oftentimes refers to a what it says, a jury trial in an equity court, which is why when you demand a jury trial or even a trial by jury in some of these traffic cases, they only give you six people or four people or they don't give you anybody at all. And the judge issues what's called a bench trial. Do you really think you're going to get a fair trial that way? <laughs> Does that make sense to anyone? Um, and by the way, the Seventh Amendment protects your right to a trial by jury in suits at common law. So that would be like a, a civil controversy. And it states that in the Seventh Amendment when when the value in controversy exceeds $20. Now, back at that time, $20 was a lot of money. Well, today it's not. But even still, it, it just it doesn't matter. I mean, if you've got like, again, my suit that I have against my county and my county officials, that is a suit at common law protected by my right under the Seventh Amendment. I have a right to a trial by jury. So does that mean that the judge can dismiss my case because I haven't stated a claim for relief? Well, if he wants to deny you due process, the right to be exactly. heard. If he wants to try and deny me my due process rights, wait a minute, judge. Um, you're denying me my right to a trial by jury. It doesn't say if you state a claim for relief. It doesn't say that. They do all the time. Trump, they, they Trump do it just all announced time. it. Trump just totally announced it to everybody, showing the court system. Exactly. So how, how do we get around that? Again, you have to get it on the record. You have to be a belligerent claimant of your rights. You have to state where the judge screwed up. Hold on a second here, judge. Am I, am I missing something? According to the Seventh Amendment, the Constitution, I have a right to a trial by jury. Why are you denying me that right? Well, you haven't stated a cause claim for relief. On whose opinion? Yours? Are you a trial by jury? No, you are not. You're supposed to be a disinterested third party. You're supposed to be just the referee. Call them balls and strikes. Call them fouls when, when one team doesn't play by the rules. That's what you're supposed to be. But instead, you've inserted yourself into this case, and you now become an advocate for one party over the other. That greatly prejudices one party over the other. So tell me how this is constitutionally sound. And this is why I say, you guys, you have to know and understand these things because if you choose, and there's a, there's a reason why I chose not to go this way, but if you choose to use a statutory cause of action, every single statute cause of action falls into which court, Erica? Common law or equity? Equity. equity. Bingo. And if you're choosing to move according to a court of equity, every single one of those rules applies all day, every single day. Now, I'm not saying that they don't apply now, because it, it helps to to facilitate a judicial uh, a pro, a judicious process as you're moving along. But what I'm saying is, I, there's not one statutory cause of action in my in my complaint except for one. And just because I have that one doesn't mean I'm automatically into a court of equity. Because we don't have anything like that at the common law, and that's to to get an injunction, is to get this this these people to stop doing what they're doing. 
I'm wondering so, if the grand juries, is this where they would be helpful with the property tax suits that we've all been? Be. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. again, these, these are crimes, are they not? Are they not, are they not conning people out of their money? Yeah. Under color of law. Mm -hmm. And if they don't comply, they sell their property out from underneath of them in, in, in property. Do they have no inherent rights in whatsoever? Yeah, we're in a mafia type situation. It's like we all own businesses in a town, but the mafia says, we'll protect you if you pay us this fee. You know, <sighs> it's like we're all under duress to try to figure out how not to get stomped out. And yeah, that's where yeah. our focus is. But now, and Bill, this is why I, this is when I found you because we were looking for remedy. We were actually looking for, like, we understand it's, it's okay. As you're going through this freedom process, I mean, Everyone gets sucked down all the holes. And I've heard you talk about this before, Bill, where you did all the same stuff we did too. You started finding all the gurus who were telling this and, and preaching on this and doing this. And, and then you discover, oh my gosh, are we even parties to the constitution? And, you know, like all the things, like we've, we've all been through all the things and it's like, okay, we're angry. We get it. It's all messed up. How do we fix it? Let's just yeah. go ahead and start working on that. And so um, that's why I wanted to bring it around to you, Bill. Like, like how, what are the next steps for us, for those of us? Because a lot of people in these groups, we're we're facing roadblock after roadblock after roadblock with corrupt courts and people dismissing cases. And, 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 you know, we're attempting our best to learn what we're supposed to do. And we're doing those things. And then, we're expecting the criminals to give us justice. Yeah. And so that's why I really, really love the idea of the, the right hand and the left hand working together mm -hmm. you got your grand juries. And then you've got your militia enforcement because the bottom line with everything I've researched so far, where's the enforcement mm -hmm. like in, in some of the groups that have completely rescinded their voter their voter yeah. status because they they're not u.s citizens and that's another thing if you get called for jury duty the very first question on it is are you a u.s citizen and they're checking no and then they can't even be there they know the law more than most people and it's so sad that they're not a part of 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 a solution here in that regard because this is what we have this is this is the old broken down yeah. you know shop piece that we have to try to restore because we can't all self-govern at this point. I mean, I can, you guys can, every one of our viewers can, but too many people can't. So we have to have something in place to work for us. Yeah. And so that's what this is all about, right? Is, is establishing, Hey, let's try that one thing called adherence to the constitution. Oh, that we haven't tried yet. There's that's an like, idea. Seems like a really good idea because <laughs> the places where we're having most of the trouble in the court systems and with, with the IRS and all this other stuff, those things wouldn't even exist if we were following the, if not, we were following because the constitution is not for us. The constitution is for the beast that we've created and we've tried to restrain. So if we just go to that and try to be like, Hey, why don't we follow that guys? So that's what tactical civics is about, right? It's bringing yeah. it back to holding the accountability. So how how would some of us get started? And I know there's a big marathon coming up um, that we can share, um, watch and share with lots of other people too. I think things are going to explode for you guys once people start hearing and seeing what you guys are doing because everyone's on board. Everyone's like, okay, this is messed up. We got to do something. 
Well, we're yeah, 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 Bill. Let us know. <laughs> we're learning now. Numbers are growing. We've we've grown by a factor of 10x in the last year. If you start extrapolating that, it's going to be a, a fairly large population. Uh, that is the Sunday night call. Yep, you you can anybody can go to that, listen in, get a feel from it. Tacticalcivics.com. Uh, find the join button. The marathon. Uh, the genesis of that was. Uh, Scott McKay on Thursday night and Pete Santilli on a Friday morning both had the same idea independently. Like other than me, I don't know what they have in common. And they uh, decided to do an 18 hour live stream to push traffic toward tactical civics. The expectation is mass uh, joining. Uh, uh, let me just give you a, uh, and join. What, what can I do? Join tactical civics. Yeah. David Zuniga says, go ahead and download all my books. Go ahead and download all his books. Take him at his word. Put them on your hard drive because it's the information. You were talking about the genius of the founding fathers. I'm going to tell you that they weren't any smarter than you. I, I know, but they, but were they really were geniuses. <laughs> they were hungry for freedom, so they studied it. They were hungry for freedom, so they read Burke and Monte Montesquieu. You know, they wanted to know what the foundations were. And so these thoughts were already in your head. It, it's it's uh, commonly known that if you read about nutrition, you'll get thinner. Mm -hmm. so anything you study, you're going to manifest if you study it. Well, uh, we suggest you start studying freedom and we have the materials, the source materials for it. Uh, I'm going to give you some numbers to play with. In my county, there's 80,000 people, 80,000, about 60,000 registered voters. Okay. okay? All 80,000 are eligible for the militia. Make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. About half the 80,000 probably work for government somewhere. Six school districts, federal government, state government, uh, townships, city of Dubois, and so on. So about half of them aren't eligible to be part of tactical civics because they work somewhere in government. Okay. They're on, they're on a government payroll. So there's so a I, I need 400. Half of 1% is 400 people. Go back to the story of Gideon. I need some special operators that are going to be able to get out there and, and advocate for the ordinances. Mm -hmm. I need that core group. But I need all those other 79,600 people to get behind what we're doing because they live here too. They're being abused too. The government they work for is being mean to them also. And so they can be part of it. So there's a militia group. There's also a grand jury group. 60,000 people are uh, on the voter rolls. That's my pool for juries, one way or another. Okay, not all 80, because 20 of them didn't register, but the, the, out of the 60. Now, it's statistically likely that you could be part of tactical civics and never serve on a grand jury. Does that make sense? Yes. Because mm -hmm. the numbers, you know, but we don't need 60,000 coming to a meeting to push an ordinance. Now we might, but we need, we need a, a, a group of people who are going to focus. If that makes any sense, it makes a lot of sense to me uh, who are operating here. Cause here's the, here's the place to kill this. Let's get tactical civics before the ordinances are passed. Cause once we're to the point of passing ordinances across the Republic, how long do you think it'll take us to get that next amendment limiting congressional seats? How long do you think it'll yeah. take us to get to bring? It's going to happen rapidly. It's going to be a grass fire across the Republic and it's about time. Yeah. Okay. And then we're going to focus on training and education and other things 
uh, to try to keep this going. We're looking for that handful of people that want to be part of getting the solution off the ground. That's tactical civics. Uh, you know, Gideon sent there 32,000 came, 300, 300 went into the Midianite camp. The other 31,700 were sure handy when the Midianites were scrambling, trying to get back across the river, though. Mm-hmm. Gideon sent ahead and said, cut them off at the pass or whatever he said. So they didn't just not do anything. And I, I, I uh, and so part of my uh, part of my approach is uh, number one, not everybody's going to be on the on the special operator end of what we're doing, but everybody's going to participate. Number two, everybody's impacted by what we're doing here downstream. Freedom's going to impact everybody, whether they worked on the front end, the middle, or the back. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Number three, they're going to have to learn what we did because they're going to have to teach it to their own kids. If you want your kids or grandkids to know something, you'd better tell them because nobody else is going to. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. We went out to the barn. I pointed at D. Wayne. D. Wayne's 36 years old. He's a gelding. But Dwayne thinks he's still a stallion. He's always thought he's a stallion because, as I told my granddaughters, there's no gender fluidity on the farm. <laughs> it doesn't exist here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want them to know, you have to tell them. Yeah. And, uh, Madison said, you're kind to me. And I said, I'm not mean. Go ask Dwayne what he thinks. You know, mm-hmm. reality is reality here. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so I've got you that far. Read the books. The marathon is useful. If you go to your favorite podcaster who's carrying the live stream, you can watch the marathon on the 30th. The marathon is specifically to drive traffic. You don't have to wait that long. If you're within the sound of my voice now, you can join Tactical Civics today, and you should. So let me let me just give a, a real quick plug. We're coming up on an hour and a half, and I want to I want to try and keep it right about there. So yes, uh, the website is tacticalcivics.com. When you go there, I mean it's very simple. It's only a one page. So there's information about the weekly Sunday night call every Sunday at seven p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can donate to help the cause. But if you click the button, there's a button right here. It looks like it's got a picture of a militia man on it. You click that button to join and it takes you to a page where you can put in your information. Full disclosure, there is a cost for this. Obviously there's cost involved, but this is not like break your arm cost. It's $5 a month or $50 a year. So when I joined, I just did the $50 a year. That was simple for me. Uh, after you join, you're put into contact with somebody who's local to you. Uh, so I believe there was a question um, from Richard, you know, do they have uh, something in San Diego? There, there are people all over this great country. So if there isn't someone who's directly in your case, so for like in my case, I was the first one in my county. But the gentleman I spoke to actually lives five and a half hours south of me. And he's fantastic. He's a great guy. Um, I got a lot of good information from him. And, and like I said, I, I, I feel terrible. I haven't had the time to spend. I, I do want to spend more time on this because again, guys, if we don't realize that, that we hold the political power, we, we have nothing. So we have got to take the action. So here's what I would tell you. Go to tacticalcivics.com, research the information, see if it makes sense. Speak to your local organizers or people that they can put you in touch with talk to them, see if it makes sense. I mean, again, I'm, I just tell you that there's no ulterior motives here other than, Hey, we, we are all freedom loving people. 
and we want to ensure that our rights are protected. So I did want to touch on this real quick from Scott Beck. Scott says that the problem we see in the courts is even when a competent pro se who knows a thing or two gets into the courts, it seems like judges still walk over them and no one goes to the, to the next court up. And that's absolutely true. But do you remember what I said in the rules for pro se? You're going to fight every single one of your cases and you're going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. So you must set your case up accordingly because there are certain rules that the Supreme Court has if they're going to take up a case. You have to create that major federal question, one that has not been previously answered. So you do the research, see if they've been previously answered it. I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, I have looked and looked and looked, and I could be wrong, and I hope I am, but I have found nowhere where a competent pro se has taken the major federal question on the Seventh Amendment to the Supreme Court. I can't find it. So if it's out there, I'd love to know. Because then I can use it in my in my pleadings and I can get this judge off his freaking duff and give me a ruling. They don't but seem to really care about the Constitution and the Constitution, James. It's a weird thing. It is it's weird. Like but here's what's cool, okay? When you start getting up into those higher courts, they do. Now, does the Supreme Court get it right 100% of the time? Heavens, no. We just saw that ridiculous ruling where they sided with as it relates to um, Texas. Texas. Yes. Yeah. But guess what the Supreme Court can't do? What does the, uh, what, what does the 10th Amendment say again? You guys remember that one? The 10th Amendment? Oh, yeah. If, it, if they can't rule on it, if it's not within their authority to rule on it, then it's left to the states or the people. Yeah. So I don't think that they really even had the authority to rule on that to begin with. But even if they did, they still don't have the authority to tell the state what to do because the state is its own sovereign entity. And if the state feels like it's under invasion, they have the right to protect themselves from such invasion. Well, they're ignoring it with impunity. Did exactly. you see that? Exactly. Well, again, Marbury versus Madison, right? Right. That even goes for Supreme Court rulings, you guys. So, Bill, I want to thank you for joining with us. It was. I'm so glad you were here, and I hope we have we can have you back on again in the future. I really appreciate you joining us. Sure. Glad. Thank you so much, and. Um, God bless you, your family, and all of your grandkids. Oh, that's so nice that they all live so close to you. I, that was, I, I dream of that. You know, my wife and I, I think I've told you guys, we're, we're building our next house, and we're really wanting that house to be just the, the gathering place for our family. So, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Erica Justice, as always, thank you so much. Erica, I'm so excited for you. I can't wait for you when that new little one comes. That's so much, mm -hmm. that's so much fun. So, with that, you guys um, – I, again, I, I have to apologize. I know I have been we, we have been trying to get a show out every week. My schedule has just been hectic with my new job. I apologize. Next week, um, I am going to be on a family vacation. Much deserved, much needed. Um, and then the following week after that, I will see what I can about getting a show put out put out together. Um, I might not be able to because I've got some work conference meetings I got to be to. But I will do what I can to get another show out. I promise you, people. So. With that, I want to thank you all. Um, until next time, take care, everybody. We love you. God bless you all. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Bill.